everyone, and welcome to another amazing episode of The Joy of Being for busy working moms and women in business and beyond who are seeking to unplug from their worries and overwhelm to light up with insight and joy. I, your host, mum, and effortless lifestyle coach, Marina Pearson, talk to transformational professionals, business owners, and creatives about what it really takes to have a business and life you can truly enjoy. And remember, you can find me on Instagram at Marina Pearson or my Facebook group, The Joy of Being. And if you'd like a more personalized touch to live a stress-free life, then why not find out more about The Joy of Being Retreat, an intimate four-day profound experience at a luxury venue in Javier, Spain, where you get to experience your inner calm and peace of mind by slowing down and making space. To find out more, email me at marina, marinapearson.com with Joy of Being Retreat in the title. And on today's show, I'm super excited to welcome Debbie Todd. Debbie used to be an accountant and a financial planner. However, she shifted her skills to work with kids. She's now the lead puppeteer of Ruby's Troops. Debbie's passion is to help families learn and grow in their financial knowledge, which is a perfect backdrop for teaching sound age-appropriate money skills to children by empowering them to build good spending and saving habits early in life. So they're better prepared to avoid the money madness roller coaster that plagues so many families. And I loved what Ruby is up to. Um, they are a team of passion, experience, and zany grandmothers ready to engage and empower kids around finances. And in our conversation, we talked about what happens when we as adults engage with our children to teach them about the skills that they need to learn so that by the time they are 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, whatever, adults, they're able to actually manage their money without the issues that you might find yourself as being an adult. So we had a great conversation about what we can do as parents to help kids learn more about their finances and a bit the psychology behind how we can help them and what stops us. If you'd love your kids to learn more about managing their finances and getting money smart, then come and join us. So Debbie, welcome. I'm super excited to be here um, talking about uh, the joy of being with kids and their finances. I know this is um, a really great topic because um, I'm very passionate about um, kids learning about and having a financial education. So um, and at the end of the day, you know, when we start earlier on in life with, with our finances, um, you know, at the end of the day, it's a resource, it's a tool that actually can give us time and space for the things that we really want to do. Um, so welcome. So yeah, Thank I'm you. so Debbie, I'm curious, what got you started in, in doing what you do? Well, uh, first of all, Marina, thank you for having uh, us on the show. Um, I got to tell you, that um, it's kind of an interesting story. The way we started, the way I started in interactive theater for children is actually kind of a, um, just was a very uh, kind of a fluke of chance. But to maybe back up a little bit is my background, my professional background is that I've been a licensed CPA for 20 years. And in my practice, what I've seen in working with clients um, families, small businesses, even individuals, is one of the things that really, really determines where they're able to go and how fulfilled they feel in life 
is whether or not they have enough money. Now, that answer to everybody is a different answer. However, when people feel like they don't have enough money or they're living against the financial edge, it brings on stress, it brings on relationship problems and all of this downward spiral things that end up happening. And so I've seen it on the, on the back end of what it's like for families in real life when they are really, really struggling financially. And so when we started with the children, the thing that I realized very, very quickly is that children are so eager to learn. They are so happy. They haven't been programmed or they haven't had a lot of experiences that are painful like us us adults. And so there's an opportunity for us to be able to share tools with them that will help them become confident in their financial decisions at an early age. And I mean, if you think about that, if you can help a child feel confident in something that they're going to need pretty much every day of their life for the next 70 or 80 years, isn't that an amazing gift? Sure, absolutely. Um, And, you know, I know that I'll be educating Leo in that regard um, when he's slightly older, but I, you know, over the last few months, years, I've been getting financially educated myself as well. And Good for you. Good for you. I've uh, been finding that, um, yeah, you know, it's very, very empowering. But I also see that, you know, I want to go back to what you were saying about the stress of the finances, because what I've seen is something slightly different. Um, um, and what I've seen is, is if the finances is what stresses us out or lack of them. Um, then, but, but then I've met people who don't have much that are very, very happy and content. Um, I've also met people that do have a lot of money that, that aren't so happy. So oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It would suggest then that it's not really the money, but it's more our attitude towards it, or at least our thinking around money that would actually bring on the stress. Because if it were the case that if we were all financially deprived and we, that we couldn't be happy, I'm assuming that then those that are poor um, would then you would then just say, well, you're destitute to be unhappy. But yeah, I don't know. What's your take on that? Well, um, if if you when I first started this, I said, remember that the number that we're talking about is different for everyone. And you're absolutely right. Um, there, there are many, many people who do not have much financially. And many people would think in society standards that, okay, they're poor, they must be miserable. If they, if that, if they are content and they understand that I have enough to live the life the way I want to live it, then that's not poor because they have enough to meet their needs. What ends up happening is that so many people um, they have house payments, they have car payments, they have all of these things that they that they are obligated to pay for. And when that demand on resources is greater than the money that they have, that creates the stress because they feel, in you know, as you said, there's a lot of folks that make a bunch of money. And I have several clients that way. Um, if people make $400,000 a year and they spend $500,000 a year, they're still broke. They just have a a different set of problems. So it really isn't necessarily the number. 
so much as what you believe, what you feel in your heart is what your life goals are and how you wish to achieve them and, and how the amount of resources that you have lines up with that. Does that make sense? Sure. Sure. Yeah, I guess I've just seen something slightly different in that regard. So okay, I suppose it's more our attitude. You know, I've I've got well, right, exactly. It is, but it is your attitude about what you think you need. If you think your attitude is, I have to have a four bedroom house, or I have to have a brand new car every two years, then the associated financial obligations that go with that are what's going to cause the stress. So, yeah, I'm uh, curious about then, you know, with the kids that you do your stuff with, um, Mm -hmm. what have been some of the unexpected uh, results that you've got that you've seen that have really sparked, I don't know, an interest, but certainly was unexpected? Mm -hmm. Well, there's, there's actually been several, but I'd say the first couple of things to me that were very unexpected is that how young children are that actually can grasp these concepts because you know there's always there's been this kind of a let kids be kids and hey you know talking about money and finances is kind of an adult topic so let's not let's not burden children too young in my experience what i've seen is that children as young as 2 to 3 years of age really can pick up on these concepts because kids are watching tv Kids are seeing what their parents are doing. Kids are seeing advertisements every day. And so they're learning at a very young age to be consumers and to want things. And so I was really surprised that children that young could really start to grasp basic age-appropriate concepts. And then I'd say the second biggest aha moment for me was that especially like when we do our live events, because we've been doing this for about eight years now and we're just now starting to go digital. But when we would do our live events, obviously our target, you know, the children that would want to come see our, our events would be between say three and 10 years of age. Well, those children can't drive themselves to our, where our shows are. And so the parents and the grandparents are sitting in the back. And the thing that I was not expecting was to see how, what we call the tall kids, which would be the parents and the grandparents are reacting and interacting when, after we have our show, because we would be, of course, the children are all around the front of us. So they're close to us, but I'm looking in the back and I'm watching the parents start to relax. I'm watching them start to laugh and they're getting, they're understanding the concepts. And then after the show, they've been given some tools where they can actually have conversations with their children in a way that's very warming and very open because they're talking about what the characters did. It's not a, you know, geez, I feel bad because I don't have money or geez, you know, that's why we can't afford these things. But it's a, wow, how do you think, how do you think Bosco felt when he didn't have any money left to go to the movie? Or geez, wasn't didn't that make Peggy Sue feel nice when they were all able to go together and get Sparky a new hat after he lost his? Those kinds of, of conversations um, can open up the door to longer conversations and nobody feels bad about it. So what I'm really hearing is that it's more about the conversation and what it sparks. Um, yeah, obviously. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
and and actually making money something that's um, joyful and interesting and yes, and not yes. a true subject. Yes, it it really makes it 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 puts it I think in the proper context that finances and money are just simply a tool. They're not something to for us to feel bad about. Although that's been my experience in, you know, most of us as adults um, for the last twenty five years. Um, you know, especially in the United States, and it's I'm seeing it even in, in global context, educating children or empowering children around finances has not been taught. And so kids are growing up and they don't have the right tools, but the parents are, have also not been taught. And so they don't feel comfortable doing it. They've got their own money traumas. And so if they feel bad or embarrassed or not very, you know, empowered themselves, how are they feel, feeling about teaching their kids? And so the cycle tends to repeat itself. And this, uh, what we're doing, I think, just opens the door and takes those barriers down and allows them to have just caring conversations in a way that, that everybody feels good. And, and it really is helpful because it really is just having those very honest conversations. And you'd be amazed at how many children if it just let's just say that there's a, you know it's a tight week and you really can't do stuff there's a way you can share that with your child that they understand it and people don't feel bad and everybody realizes that oh well maybe we can just let's just instead of going out to the movies let's just see if we can do a play game at home and we'll have fun and we'll save our money and maybe next week we can go to the movies and it's just those kind of helping them understand to go with the ebbs and flows of what happens in their finances and, and not get themselves into trouble because that's what ends up happening. Yeah. Because I guess, you know, when I, when I started out on this journey with, with regards to my finances, I had a lot of um, beliefs that were very unhelpful for me. So yes. like I'm stupid. I'm not very good with money. Um, I don't understand this. I don't, I can't mm-hmm. my money. Um, I don't, I felt very, um, I didn't, I I had a lack of understanding. Yes. Um, I knew that there was a different way, just didn't know what. And over time, what I've got to see is that when you spend time in an area that you don't know much about, well, you're inevitably going to become more confident or more competent in it, which I guess yes. is kind of com- confidence. Yes. You, know, you have a lot more clarity around how it works. You're able to see the numbers in a different way. Uh, you're able to speak the lingo. Um, you're able to grab the concepts. And um, you're also able to start making different choices because you have a better understanding of, of, of what you're up against or what you're up to. So. Right. Um, I'm assuming that a lot of the people, or you know, the families that you work with are financially maybe in debt. Um, they've, you know, they have, they have credit um, because I mean, I don't know about you, but, but in the, in the, in the UK, for example, um, that's a very, very use, usual thing um, to rack up quite a bit of debt. Um, yes. So, but there's a lot of shame around it. So there's absolutely. Um, so once again, it comes back down to the attitude that we have, we can still sort out our financial gunk as I call it. Um, but still actually not give us, not give ourselves a hard time about it. So, um, you know, (laughs) yeah, like, 
overspending and then beating yourself up because you've done it will yes. break, putting your head in the sand because you don't actually want to see what you're up to um, because you're, you're, you know that what you're doing is reckless in inverted commas, but um, you don't want to, you don't want to make the change because either way it's, it's difficult or you're going to beat yourself up or you feel ashamed. Um, so I'd love to know more about, you know, how you, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Cultivate, cultivate uh, attitudes that are helpful in these kids. Towards well, them. right. That's a, that's a wonderful question. And really the basis behind how we do it is we start out very simply and we share with them that money is a tool and money is really just that it is a a way for us to do, to get from point a to point b like a car right um or like wearing clothes and that what we do is we teach them the basics of how what what savings does and some decisions and we show them both sides what happens if you if you save what happens if you don't we show them about debt. Credit is a very big thing, and you're absolutely right. Um, you know, the, the newest statistics over here in the United States, just to give you a perspective, is that um, 57% of Americans have less than $1,000 in savings. Wow. Right? Yeah, and 39% have zero in savings, which means that if your tire, go, your tire blows out, you have um, a child that needs to go to the doctor, um, you have a minor appliance in your house that goes bad. Um, you know, there's, there's no resource to be able to do that. And that is just an absolutely frightening thought. So what, what we do is we, we talk in a very, in a very calm and proactive way, but we share with them again, saving. Here's what, here's what happens when you save. Here's what happens when you don't. We talk about giving. We talk about understanding how to be a smart shopper. That's one of the funnest ones. I love that one. Um, and helping kids understand about getting good deals and about understanding one of the other classes that we teach that's really amazing is understanding needs and wants and how to set goals. So if, if a child wants a dolly, um, they won't be able to go to the candy store and spend all of their allowance on candy because they'll never have money set aside for their dolly. So it's about making decisions in the now and, and learning about how, if I want to have something in the future, then I can't spend everything I have right now and setting money aside. So we actually teach them those, those very basic concepts related to how kids relate, games, toys, um, going to the movies with their friends, um, having fun times out with their, you know, peers or doing stuff at lunch or buying books. There's all kinds of things that kids will, will, be able to grab onto and realize that that's, that's in their world. That's really cool. I, um, it's, it's very fun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was introduced to this concept of um, spreading your money and putting your money in different pots about mm -hmm. six or seven years ago now, uh, where you put 50% or 55% of what you consume in one pot um, then you put you you've got a pot which is just for fun so like mm -hmm. you've got to spend that and that's 10 percent of your income you have to spend it so you either spend it every three months or every month whatever you decide but you've got to blow that money which i think is really cool <laughs> that's that's called your your allowance 
Yeah. We call that the, the, pay, the pay yourself fund or fund money fund. Fund money That's fund. Yeah, fun, yeah, yeah. The fund money fund. Yeah. Yeah. The fund money fund. I call it the blowout mm-hmm. account. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then you've got, um, and then you've got the, uh, the, the, the savings account. So mm-hmm. basically 10% of your, your savings. So you, that one gets built up over time. So that's your buffer. Mm-hmm. And then you have the investment account, which is basically goes into an investment pot where mm-hmm. you either, you know, put it in the stock market or you put it somewhere that it's actually going to get a much better return on investment than if you're just putting it into the bank. Um, right. And then yeah, and by, by and large, that's true. Yes. Yeah, by and large. And then you've got the, um, God, I can't remember the other one. Uh, Char- charity. We call it the giving the, pot. Yeah, the giving pot. Yeah, that's, yeah that's the giving pot. Yeah. And I love this. When I was introduced, and then, of course, if you've, got, if you've got debt, instead of giving, you can actually put it towards your debt until you've actually, you know, sorted the debt out and then you can start the giving but I love this concept and I love this idea of the pots and it it was like oh my god a huge light bulb went off because I'd I'd never seen that before I was just spending money coming into the same account so you could never actually track uh where x amount was going and um so recently I've decided to start doing it with my son and he's three Mm -hmm. and a half and he now has a little, you know, he has these pots where um, I say that one that, you know, the, the, the saving one is the one that you don't touch until the end of the year, maybe if you need it for emergencies or whatever. Um, but you have to blow your money, you know, your fun one. So that's your um, toy account or whatever you want to call it. And um, he's learning. Like at the beginning, it was a bit confusing for him, but he's now actually going, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and see, that's the thing. If you think about that, you're talking about he's learning and it's a little confusing. Imagine if children, so let's just take that thought. If you imagine a child starting school, seeing all their friends have stuff, seeing all the commercials that are on TV and not having any basis to go, I can make, I'm the one who chooses. And that's the part that I love about this is we are empowering the children to say, I am the one who is going to choose what I do with my resources, whether it's your money, it's your time, whether it's your, um, any other assets you have. And I am going to make the choice and not have somebody from, you know, I, I kind of joke and I say, if we don't teach our children about money, Nike, Nickelodeon, and Nabisco is going to teach them. <laughs> because that's the truth, because I'm telling you, People see, on average, 4,000 advertisements a day in one form or another. And what are those advertisements trying to do? They're trying to get you to buy something. They're trying to get you to do something. They're not, they're not saying, oh, well, I'm going to show you this, but I don't want you to spend any money with me, or I don't want you to become part of our cause, right? And so when, when all of us are being bombarded with so many consumer um, you know, what I call bright, shiny objects, children are going to fall into that. And what happens is by the time they turn 18 or they, get, they graduate from, from high school and they're getting ready to go off into the world, they don't, they, they're, they're already set up for failure. They're already set up to think about, I'm gonna, I can get this little piece right now, not realizing that it's going to cost them so much more down the road. 
And that's, that's where the, that's where the tragedy really occurs. And that's what we really want to hope to avoid. Yeah, I, I really hear that. And I love the fact that, you know, um, what I heard and what you were saying is, is that a lot of the time it can look like money has power over us. It can look like time has power over us or the lack of it. It looks like, um, you know, people have power over us, Mm -hmm. but actually when we have a capacity or competency in these, in this area of finances, um, it's almost like we reclaim our power back over everything because, you know, if later on in life, if you're being served TV, if you're served like these package deals, um, for investments, for example, but you know about investing, you're not going to be taken in. You can actually ask educated questions. You can get um, educated in that. Um, Yes. The same thing with um, the financial side of Mm -hmm. how you manage your money. Right. And and buying things and buying things on sale, knowing what, what what terms are. Because if you're buying stuff, especially if you're not paying cash for it, um, there's a there can be a really big difference in what the t- your end what your end cost will be. I mean, if you think about it, let's just use credit as an example. Um, you know, credit cards and buying things on time is really it's really changed in the last twenty five or thirty years. I mean, thirty years ago, you you bought a house through a loan, you might've bought in a car through a loan and there wasn't much else. You pretty much saved, you know, you paid cash for everything else you saved for it. Today, people don't think anything about going out and spending, um, you know, half of their food allowance on their credit card. And here's the thing, you have to eat every day. And by the time you get your credit card bill, it's 30 days later. Are you remembering that, that cheeseburger that you had last month? No, you're just looking at the credit card bill, right? It's a different framework. And what people are doing is they're, they're using, they're using credit and using somebody else's money to pay for everyday expenses, which just becomes this vicious cycle at a very, very high rate of interest because credit cards, if you can't pay the bill off, there's 15 to 25% interest. So now your $4 cheeseburger becomes a $5 cheeseburger over time. But surely it's about delaying instant gratification, which I'm assuming, you know, for kids, this is so difficult, right? Cause I've got, you know, I've got three and a half year old and he's like, mommy, I want that toy. Mommy. Oh, I want yeah. this. Mommy, I, I, they I want, want everything. They want everything. It's right. <laughs> you know, and it's serious. I mean, our, 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 our arch nemesis character, right. Is we call him the, we call him the want monster. And that we, that's what we talk about. We talk about how the want monster comes to us and wants us to buy this and wants us to do that and wants us to do this other thing. And it feels good in the moment. But then afterwards we're going, Oh wow. Um, now I can't do this and now I can't do that. And, and so you, you have that again, this is what starts the cycle of pain and shame. Right. And not, not having the tools ahead of time is, is what gets people into this. And you think about it as you become an adult if you're 18 years old and you go out and you sign up for a car that you can't afford, now you've got a five to seven year note that you're having to struggle with. And that's going to impact a lot of other decisions in your life. 
if, if you cannot afford the car. That's, that's what it comes down to. And it really is about education. And, you know, in some cases, I think it's, it's your attitude. But what I really think more of is just understanding why you make the decision that you make. And in some cases, when people don't understand that, that decision, they get into this cycle and then they feel like, okay, now what has to happen is because I feel bad about myself. I deserve this and I, I'm tired of working so hard. And so this, the cycle just kind of self-perpetuates because they continue to go out and spend money that they don't have because they feel bad about the other decisions that they've made. And it all just kind of stacks up on top of itself. That's what, that's been my experience. Yeah, sure. And, you know, this idea that I went shopping and I felt better. Um, for half an hour. Yeah. <laughs> but, but when the credit card bill comes, you're going to feel bad for three months. But thinking that your feelings are coming from the shopping spree or thinking that the feelings are coming from the credit card debt, in that if feelings come from our thinking in the moment, then actually, you know, your finances, your debt has no power over you. Um, which I think is amazingly freeing, but it also it gives is. more clarity around what you can do then with your finances that makes more sense to you when right. you understand that actually the way that you've been doing up until now isn't working. Yes. Um, so it's great that you've actually got these kids doing it well in advance because how we think or what we think has a, it's a huge determiner on, you know, what we then go and do because our behavior is linked to our thinking. So. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. What we, what we, what we think leads to what we feel leads to what we do. And yeah. if, you know, and, and the, uh, the advertisers get that. So what do they do? They put stuff in, in front of your eyes. It looks shiny. It's bright. It's beautiful. It's fun. They get you to feel good. Like, Oh, I want that so bad. And then you do it. That's, that's the, that's the, that's the story to marketing. And I'm probably not going to have any marketers that are going to enjoy this conversation. <laughs> so tell me a little bit more about the characters that you have, because we've already had the, the want monster. Do you have any others? Oh boy. We have, um, we actually have, I think at last count, 94 different characters. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. This is a big, this is a, it's a very diverse program. Um, we, have, we have probably half a dozen main characters. And then we have characters that come in because, you know, you want to keep it interesting. Kids, kids have a very vivid imagination. And if it was just one or two characters, you know, they'd get bored. And so we want to keep this lively. And we realized that, that there's a lot of different ways to look at things. And, and some kids are going to relate to one or two characters more readily than, than others. And so by having many, many characters in there, it really it kind of makes it very fluid. It keeps it very engaging. They're very colorful. Um, and then in addition to our show characters, we also have human characters. So this is, if you think about it, think about the Muppets meets... Mm -hmm. Mr. Rogers meets Dora the Explorer. That's the, that's the, that's kind of the magic that we do. And so we have, there's five members of our troop right now, and we have more people wanting to come and join us um, all the time. Um, but we have five main people that work, work in our, in our show. Um, and we have one, two, we have three, five, five different characters that are human. So one one is an elfin, one is a, one is a pet vet, one is a storyteller, 
One is a world traveler and one is a builder. And those are our human characters. So they come in and play parts and interact with the rest of the characters. And then we have Ruby, of course, who's our star. And so she's the, she's the little girl who's friends with everybody. And she is kind of like, I, I've got these ideas and I want to play. So she comes in and introduces all, our, our, all of our shows, all of our stories. And then we have um, Sparky is another one of our main characters. And he's a little dragon. So the boys really love him. And he's very excitable. He's very energetic. He's always getting into things. Then we have Bosco, who's a little boy. And he comes in and he's kind of happy-go-lucky, but he likes to ask really intelligent questions. But he gets into he kind of gets into stuff too. And so he's a typical, you know, what you call a typical, I'm just gonna go out and experience it boy. Then we have probably about a third of our characters, so that'd be about 30 of them are different kinds of animals. So we have little boys and little girls and animals, and then we have some mythical creatures that are in there as well, just to give it a, a really dynamic flavor. That's awesome. Um, it's fun. It is so much fun, yeah. Yeah, and I'm assuming that also while the kids are learning that the, 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 the family also learns too. So they kind Absolutely. of... Absolutely. Yeah, this kind of brings me back to... How does it relate? How does what you do with these kids and the financial side actually relate to the joy of being? Well, and, and if you think about it, what you just said is one of the one of the, the back to the unexpected aha mm-hmm. and the the fact that so many parents um, are struggling as well. The joy of being is that um, we want people to realize that it doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter where you are right now in your finances or, you know, whether you're, they're going well or not going well, or, you know, if you are feeling in your, in your, in your spirit and in your being that I would like things to be different, but I don't know how I'm, I really don't know what steps to take. And, and if you're, if you're feeling kind of nervous about that, this helps because one of the, again, as a CPA, what my heart has always been to help families make decisions that fit them that will allow them to be who they want to be to their fullest using their finances, using their decision-making, using their budgeting skills and helping families learn that. And the, the theater show has been just an amazing catalyst to allow for these open conversations between parents and children, grandparents and children, teachers and children, um, to allow everybody to say, I can do this too. And so that's partly why we say that our, our, our shows are, we call them belly laughs and fun learning for small kids and tall kids. Because it's been so amazing to listen to the parents say, you know what, I, I now know how I can talk to my son or my granddaughter about this. This is a way I can, we can share about it in a way that's really opening. And it starts those very tender and very productive conversations. And so that's the joy of being, because part of it, if you think about it, we all want to, every one of us wants to feel like that we, we, we are competent, that we are, that we're worthy, that we can do these things that matter in our life. And one of the things that I've seen is that the, the tool of money can shackle so many amazing people 
and stop them from being able to do um, what their gift is just because they get caught in the cycle of dick, caught in the cycle of not having enough. And if we can free up that by giving them the tools to be able to just say, you know what, that's a tool and I can manage that tool. They are then free to be able to express the rest of who they are. Yeah, it's interesting. I, um, you know, recently I've been mulling with the idea of writing a book called The Capitalist Hippie. And um, <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> and you know what? Maybe we should talk. I could give you a six year budget plan for that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we could we could color it. We could put flowers and stuff around the edge of it. Make it yeah, pretty. I think it, it, because. <laughs> Capitalists and hippie don't go together, but in, in some weird shape or form, um, what I've got to see over the last few years is that, yes, you can express yourself um, when you don't have money. Absolutely, you can, because mm-hmm. that's one thing that we've all got the capacity for, which is to self-express. But when you are having to pay your bills, um, you know, do the because you can't get, I mean, unless you're living on an island and you are you know, in a place of where you can trade stuff for stuff, then fine. But we need money to be able to play the game. And yes. so one of the things that I've seen that I'm privileged to be able to do myself is that by having the finances um, sorted, sorted, having the finances mm-hmm. there to support you, you're able to do those incredible um projects that you want to do absolutely absolutely without necessarily um you know with time and grace and space that yes. actually you're not having to either wait because you don't have the money because you need to bring the money in to be able to actually do what you need to do um but also you know a writer that has no money it's it's very difficult, I think, in terms of the creativity is always going to be there. And I guess if you're not worried about money, you can still write and it's not a problem. But nine times out of 10, there is this sense of if you're in survival mode, it's really difficult. The creativity side isn't necessarily where your head goes. It's like, how am I going to get, get through today? Yes, exactly. Where can I actually get the money from tomorrow? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so so much. Yeah, it's the hierarchy of needs, right? I mean, you can't, you you're not free to fully express your creativity and those higher level thinkings. If you're really concerned about, am I going to be able to eat today? Because a, a saying that I like to use is, it's hard to be the light of the world when you can't pay the light bill. Yeah, and it's right. Funny. Because, you know, I think money's got a bad rap somehow. I don't know why, um, especially in the spiritual communities. And I'm not, you know, I'm not kind of bashing that at all. I'm just something that I've observed, which was money's evil, money is bad, money is this, money is that. But actually money just is money. It's neutral. It doesn't have any kind of anything after it. It's just the we kind of give the money thing. Exactly. Money money has no feelings at all. No. No. Um, it's just a neutral resource that we can use just mm-hmm. to buy stuff and to buy experiences. Right. Um, exactly. Yeah. And that's where people don't understand. And, and I think you're right. I mean, people say money is the root of all evil, but it's really not. It's the love of money that is the root of all evil. So when we love money, that means that we're, we love money because we want the stuff 
typically. And that's where the dichotomy is because it comes right back to it. Okay. If you want to have all the stuff, you have to earn the money. And if you get the stuff and you don't have the money, you're back into that. Okay. Now I owe all this money. And then you, if you can't pay it, then you go through bankruptcy, you go through all of these things. And then the next thing you know is you can't, you don't have a place to live. It brings you right back into survival mode. Right. So it's just that vicious cycle that, you know, unfortunately, if we, if we aren't, educated if we're not empowered regarding those decisions we get into that that cycle and we cannot break free and that's really what we want to do is is get ahead of that curve so children know that they can make that choice because in reality tomorrow's world changers are sitting in booster seats right now and that's that's where that's where our heart's at. And it's not like um, I mean I love teaching families. I love teaching adults. Anybody that wants to, anybody that wants, says you know I'm not happy with where where I'm sitting with my relationship with money. I'm not sitting. I'm not happy with how our finances are working. I don't feel like we're able to be fulfilled. We cannot. Um, I'm, I'm really struggling to be my creative best self. Um, and when they can really get in and say I can look at this as a tool. And this tool is just a means for me to be who I am. Then they have the freedom because all of a sudden money, money loses that power because their decisions and how they think about what they, what is really important in their life. That's what, that's what then becomes powerful. And that's really where people want to be. And, you know, and again, it comes to, I don't know what that number is for it. It's all an individual thing, but when you are comfortable in your heart and you say, this is, this is who I am. This is what I believe I'm here for. This is what I want to contribute to the world by expressing my best self. And this is, this is what I think it's going to take in dollars to make that happen. Then all of a sudden you've said like, then the money becomes your tool to achieve your goals. And that's really where we want to get people to go. Yeah, I love money. Yeah. Um, I, I, <laughs> but I love money in the sense that I love what it can buy me. I love the experiences that it can give me. But I, in the sense of also, I love it. And and so, like with anything you love, you want to nurture it and look after it. Yes. So it as is. long as it doesn't, as long as your thinking um, isn't more about I need this. Um, and it doesn't come from a place of greed, then I totally get like, you know, why that might get us into trouble. Um, Debbie, um, I, this question I always ask towards the end of this podcast, which is what are you giving yourself um, permission to do more of? I mean, what are you giving yourself the opportunity to do more of these days in your life to um to access that joy that you have within? Well, I could say, you know, coming back to, oh, think about this. How many of you, how many of you know an accountant, a CPA? Um, most of us are not known for being overly creative. We're all about the numbers. We're all about the strategic plans. We're all about, you know, making sure that the, the you know, the dollars and cents are all in the right places. We're all about following the rules. Since I've started working with the theater and really looking to transform the lives of children and families, helping them understand 
key money concepts, what I've really experienced is reconnecting with my inner child because I know that my gift is helping people take control and feel free to make the right decisions that are good for them as it relates to their finances and how they wish to live their life. And so in doing so, I have learned that it's that having the most money in the world doesn't matter. Having all the prestige in the world doesn't matter. It's knowing that people that interact with us are making decisions that allow them to be their best self in a way that really lights them up. That's been my joy. And, and let me see. It is. And I can tell you that from the world's perspective, um, they would, they would kind of laugh because they're like, Deb, you know, you could make so much money if you stayed in corporate or you stayed in government doing what you do, you know, having, having the skill sets that I do. Um, and it's not about me, but the joy that I get and the happiness that I feel when I see children's faces light up and I see parents' faces light up and I see them get it. And they're going, you know, I can do this and I can understand this. And, oh, wow, how this will change my life. You can't put a price on that because we are changing and shaping the lives of millions and millions and millions of children for generations to come. Because like I said, tomorrow's world changers are sitting in booster seats today. And there's a lot of Bill Gates's and Steve Jobs that are, that are still waiting to get into first grade. And let's empower them. Because our whole world will be better if we do. That's my story. <laughs> Well, thank you so much, Debbie. It's been wonderful to listen to you. Um, thank you. Conversation with you today. So if someone wants to get in contact with you because they're feeling like, hey, yeah, this could be fun. And also, um, I would love the idea of being able to teach my children more of this financial stuff, um, but in a fun and joyful way. How All can right. they get in contact with you? Okay. Well, they can go to our website. Um, and that's www.rubystroop.com, R-U-B-Y-S-T-R-O-U-P-E.com. Or they can send us an email at bellylaughs, that's B-E-L-L-Y-L-A-U-G-H-S at rubystroop.com. Wonderful. Yes. Well, thank you so much. It's been wonderful to have you on here. And for those of you... Thank you listening here today i hope you enjoyed it as much as i have and until the next time bye-bye for now and there you have it another wonderful episode of the joy of being if you loved what you heard here today and it's been helpful why not subscribe or share the podcast with others and if you're curious as to how you can experience more joy in your life and feel carefree then i invite you to download your joy catalyst scorecard at www.marinapearson.com slash scorecard, which will help you identify the joy gaps and what you can do to fill them. And remember, you can find me on Instagram at Marina Pearson or my Facebook group, The Joy of Being. 
So until next week's episode, remember, you are the joy you seek. <laughs>